0: Greeny with Mike
1: Greenberg, the podcast,
0: back and better than ever. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests, as always, on the Goodyear Hotline. They will include Moose Johnston, Daryl Johnston, talking cowboys and much more with me live in 15 minutes and then the legendary linda Cohn. i am so looking forward i've not seen lc in a long time we will talk to linda a little bit later today our list today is about legendary positions we will need your help for that your phone calls are coming hashtag crew is here, and how analytics are killing one of america's most beloved sports all that and a whole lot more let's go here we go. Go, go only one place to start All right, and the place I want to begin today, there are a lot of different options. There's so much different stuff going on. We will get to the franchise tags from yesterday. We will get to plenty of football when we have uh, Moose Johnston coming up. But I want to begin with a fascinating disagreement between two guys that I like and admire very much, Stephen A. Smith and Jalen Rose. If you watch my television show Get Up in the Mornings, you have seen Jalen with us all the time. You see Stephen A. with us all the time. I've known both those guys forever. And I have great respect for both of them and both of their opinions. And they are on diametrically opposed sides of what I think is a very interesting debate around basketball right now. And I'm going to make it time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The conversation starts with Damian Lillard. And let me begin by telling you something about how good Damian Lillard is. You know he's good. You know that Damian Lillard is an NBA superstar, that he is a great player. Do you know that the numbers suggest he's one of the greatest players that ever lived? Did you know, without my telling you, that the only players in history with more points and assists through the first nine seasons of their careers than Damian Lillard are Larry Bird, LeBron James, and Oscar Robertson? Did you know that? See, I'm not sure you knew that. And if you don't know that, is it because of where he plays a fascinating question and it's something Stephen A was talking about on his show on ESPN Plus. Portland, I'm sorry. I apologize. But I wish he was in another market. It's not about you. You're a great fan base. Great fan base. It's about us. It's about basketball fans outside of Portland, Oregon. We're being robbed to see him Damian Lillard's brilliant every single night. Dame needs to be in a big market like my Knicks. He looked pretty good playing in prime time all the time in front of celebrities every night. I'm just saying I'd be okay if he played anywhere that he could get the appreciation that he richly deserves. So that is a fascinating take from Stephen A. Again, the question is, do big stars in the NBA need big markets to go hand in hand? My buddy Jalen, on his show Jalen and Jacoby, strongly disagree. I'm sick of this era of people
1: only trying to dumb down the accomplishments of these great players. It's a County. I like that the Greek Freak stayed with the Bucks. I like the Dame stayed with the Portland Trail Blazers. Put your anchor down like those guys have done. It's not stopping you in endorsements. Who gets more commercials than Dame? Stop media members trying to make players like Bradley Bill think that their career is meaningless because the Washington Wizards won't win the
0: championship this year. That's a real Really good take from Jalen. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. So you've got two guys, and they're very good friends to be clear. They disagree, but in case you wonder, this is, they, they, those two guys love each other. So the question is, Jalen is on one side, and Stephen A. is as far away on the other as you can be. So how is it possible that they can both be right? Well, it is. The reality is they are both right. And here's what I mean. I have long said that a chain, I get this wrong every damn time, help me, is a fence only as weak as its longest chain? What is the expression that I'm looking for? Its weakest for? link. What is? A fence? A, ch- a chain? Uh, <laughs> what, what is only as strong as its weakest link? I never get this right. Well, whatever it is, you know what I'm trying to say. I'm I'm breaking my own momentum here, but I can never get this analogy right. What is it? A fence? A chain link fence is only as strong as its weak.
2: Well, what not, is it? Not what? just a chain link fence and any kind of fence. Why, I, why are we? It well, it's a
0: wooden fence, right? You can, I've seen fences. It's still an analogy. Well. The analogy doesn't it's, work. It's not a,
1: a fence. It's a chain is only as, is as strong as its weakest link. A chain? Forget the fence. There's no fa- fence. There it's can a chain be a fence. is only as strong as its weakest link. <laughs> there can
2: link. be a fence. Okay.
0: I think I am, be, to, and to Bubba's credit, I think I am being thrown off by the fence. But okay. Get anyway, the fence out of here. No fence. I, here's the trouble is that, and I have now lost my own momentum on this thought, but here's the point. I have always been on one side and said, that if you don't want great stars in Portland, you don't want John Morant in Memphis, you don't want Zion Williamson in New Orleans, and you don't want the Greek freak in Milwaukee, then why do we have teams there? Why are there teams in those places if we don't want them to be good? That's what I mean by saying you're only as strong as your weakest link. If, you're, if you have markets, if you have cities, if you have franchises, if you have teams, if you have fan bases that are conditioned to believe they're not supposed to contend that it is against the best interest of the sport for Milwaukee, New Orleans, or, or in this case, Portland, to be good. Well, that, how does that work? How can that possibly be right? So I, I've been saying that forever. And one of the reasons the NFL was so strong, let's say for the sake of argument, in the, in the 90s or the early 2000s is that their two biggest stars were Brett Favre and Peyton Manning, by far. And those guys played in Green Bay and Indianapolis. So is the argument that if those were NBA stars, we'd be better off with Brett Favre out of that little market? That we need Peyton Manning to come to the Jets? No one would ever say that in football. We say it in basketball. So on that level, I strongly disagree with Steve, and I strongly side with Jalen. But I kind of see the other side, too. Like the NBA needs its stars more than any other league needs its stars to sell its product. Again, I opened this show by giving you this stat. Did you know that? You know how good Damian Lillard is. You know you know he's good. Did you know he was that good? I'll say it again. Through 9 years of his career, the only players in history with more points and assists in history than Damian Lillard are Larry Bird, LeBron James, and Oscar Robertson. He's an immortal. He's trending towards being an immortal. But he's on, A, a team that doesn't compete. Now, they made the West final a couple of years ago, but no one gave them any real chance to win. And B, he's in a small market, a wonderful market. Now, I'm old enough to remember the Portland Trailblazers with Bill Walton winning the championship in 1977. And I remember when the Trailblazers with Clyde the Glide and that team was playing the Bulls in the finals and no one, when Michael Jordan was making six threes against Portland, no one was saying, boy, you know, what this series really needs is a bigger market going head to head with Jordan. I was there. I was the first finals I ever covered. I'm telling you right now, no one was complaining about it, but I sort of see it now. I see where the league is now, and I think there's something to be said for it. So I'm going to get the hashtag crew in on this. We went longer than I meant to there. So I, was gonna, I really want to uh, sort of pull the hashtag crew on this today, but I just couldn't get around my own issue with this chain link fence. I can't get that right. I've never, I have been trying to do, why do I do it? Like, why do I continue to go down that road? I need a better analogy. Is there one, is there an analogy for that that works? Or this is what I need. This is what I need. Nuno, I need you to just write up what that expression is supposed to be and keep it on my screen at all times, at all times, because I find myself trying to use that expression and I get it wrong every time. It's like subjective and objective. I get subjective and objective <laughs> wrong every damn time I try and do it spontaneously. I know what they mean. I know the difference, but I never get it right on quick mention. Never. Never. So those are the two things I need. I need you to write down, am I speaking, am I talking about something that is subjective or objective? And I need you to write down the chain link fence weakest. I don't know what it is. For whatever reason, it always trips me up. Anyway, we will get their take on that. We got a terrific green list today. It requires your help. We'll take your phone calls. Linda Cohn is on the way. Moose Johnston is next. Just getting rolling. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. All right, feeling good today we are. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. The Moose, Daryl Johnston, will join me in 30 seconds on the Goodyear hotline. We'll go through all of this wheeling and dealing around the NFL, and then we are coming to the phones as this hour continues on our question of the day. Again, we're 30 seconds away from that conversation. We'll spend those 30 seconds reminding you about DraftKings. Bubble teams are making their final push, top seeds preparing for what they hope is a long run. And DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is giving all customers a free shot at up to $100,000 in total prizes. All you have to do is make your picks for who you think gets a ticket to March's biggest tournament. Download the DraftKings app right now. You can use my name, Greeny, as the code. You'll get a free shot at a share of $100,000 in total prizes with DraftKings Tournament Seeding Pool. That's promo code GREENY only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. For details. And again, it's my pleasure to welcome back Cowboys legend, outstanding analyst from Fox Sports and friend of the show. Daryl Moose Johnston is with me on ESPN radio. Hello again, Moose Johnston.
2: Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Uh,
0: Great. Uh, Outstanding. Wonderful to have you and you're exactly who I wanted to talk to about this. There has been so much conversation about Dak Prescott and Willie or won't he and will Jerry figure it out and won't he now that it is all behind us. What do you think of it all? What how do you think it turned out and what do you think it does going forward?
2: Well, I, I, I think it turned out as well as could be expected. I, I think that if everybody had this to do over again, that, that Dak Prescott would have been the first big contract that was extended a, a couple of years ago, as opposed to Ezekiel Elliott. So I think at that time, you know, for me, that that was going to make it very challenging. And, and that's even without us knowing what was going to happen to the salary cap going into 2021 because of the pandemic and there being a big reduction there. So uh, you know, I, I think the fact that they were able to get this done uh, to make it work, uh, to get them off the franchise tag, to have some flexibility, to start adding some other free agent acquisitions uh, in the offseason to improve the defense or some er- other areas on the offense uh, was something that was was pretty impressive. So uh, it came down to the final hours. But uh, I, I think there's a big sense of relief now that it's done. And now we move on to what the expectations are for Dak Prescott leading the Dallas Cowboys. And what are those I, I think it's Super Bowl or, or bust. I, I just think that that's what the expectations have to be with with the people that they've surrounded him with. You know, a lot of times when we get into the situation with a quarterback who wants to become the highest paid player at the position or, or gets into that top three, a lot of times there's not that supporting cast around him. But the Cowboys organization has done a good job of getting those players around him. You know, you know going after CeeDee Lamb last year, the development of Michael Gallup. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper, you know, having Ezekiel Elliott there, the big question for me going in will be the offensive line and the health of that. We saw what can happen during the course of the season if you have injuries in your offensive line with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So that will be the most important thing for Dak Prescott moving forward. But nobody's going to look to those situations where, hey, you know, here's why maybe it's not as good as it should be right now. I think that 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 window of uh, forgiveness, it, forgiveness is gone now with this type of contract, and it's going to be on his shoulders to carry this team regardless of what's happening around him.
0: Greeny and Moose Johnston with me on the Goodyear Hotline. Goodyear celebrating March deal days with month-long service and savings. Visit GoodyearAutoService.com for offers. Some, something that you just made me think of, and I understand this is a complicated question, but when, when, when athletes get paid a whole bunch of money, Externally, the expectations change and, and it just people think of them differently, look at them differently. They attach their salary to everything they do internally. Is there any phenomenon like that? Like, will it change anything inside how much money he's making? Like Emmitt Smith held out that year. He got all his money. Does anything change internally re- relative to relationships or expectations when a player gets the huge contract like that?
2: Absolutely not. Uh, You know, just from our experience, when when Emmett got his big contract, when Troy got his big contract, uh, you know, you're happy for, you know, that's just it's all the hard work they've put in up until that point uh, to be rewarded in that fashion. So nothing really changes on the inside. It's kind of that same thing that that everybody talks about with playoff football, you know, old playoff football. We're getting to the that time of year where the games are more important and and they make it sound like guys are going to play harder during the playoffs and they've done during the course of the regular season. So it's kind of that same thing when, when you get this opportunity to be, if not the highest paid player at your position in the NFL, but one of the top three, one of the top five, you're not going to start working harder. Hopefully if you've got the right guy, you, he's been working that way this whole time. If, if he hasn't and, and you make him into that group, if you put him into that group with that type of contract uh, you know, then, then that's not a very prudent decision by the organization. So I think everybody knows how how Dak Prescott approaches every day. He wants to get better every single day. We've watched him improve. Uh, so the Dallas Cowboys know who they have in that person. And, and one of the most important things to me is is a guy moving forward and being that face and the voice of the franchise. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott is very well respected by his teammates. The way he works, uh, the intangibles are off the charts. We've talked about this a bunch. He, he's just well liked, uh, and, and it's uh, that that's an important combination when you're talking about the person who's going to be the voice and the face of your franchise moving forward.
0: Daryl Johnston with me here. Is is—is there no moment, probably jokingly, where when Emmett gets that contract and he comes back from the holdout, you say, you know, I run into that damn hole before you do every single time. I'm knocking people out of the way so it, it clears out for you. I need some cut of that. Is, that. is that a conversation that ever takes place, either seriously or not so? <laughs>
2: Uh, it, it, it takes place, but completely, completely not seriously. Um, you know, he, he's been so good to me. He's he's always uh, he's always uh, you know spoke very highly of me. Uh, and, and he is very generous. I mean, our our locker room at Christmas time was was comical at points. You know, with with Troy, the generosity that Troy had for the offensive line and the people around him, uh, and then Emmett and then Michael got in on it. You know, we would walk into our locker room. You know, the day that they were going to put all the gifts for you know, their gratitude for for how everybody else had had performed during the course of the year. And, and the defensive players were so upset. They were so mad because nobody on the defensive side of the ball was doing that. So they'd walk in out on the offensive side of the locker room. There's just all these gifts in everybody's lockers.
0: Wow. Oh, I love that. Greeny. and you know, that team, if I could just digress for a brief moment, what, how would you put into words what it was like being a part of that group? I, you got you got Troy, who's got his thing going on. You got Michael Irvin, who's God knows what he's got going on. You got Emmett, who is he's a lead. You got Jimmy Johnson, who is one of the, the biggest personalities ever. Jerry Jones is in the office upstairs. You got a whole team full of those guys. At one point, Dion Sanders is there. That's one of the wildest bunches in every way that I could ever maybe, in, you know, among them in football history. What was it like? How would you put into words what it was like to be a part of that group?
2: Oh, gosh, it was uh, one of the greatest experiences you could ever imagine. Um, In in the way that you talk about all those guys and and how big those personalities are, the common thread between all of them was the desire to win championships. And that's what made that group special. Uh, When you've got these huge personalities, all of them had a hard work ethic. Uh, All of all they wanted to do was win championships. And that's what you needed to have. Uh, So I think as fans and the media, you see the external part of the uh, of what they bring to the locker room you never got to see what was inside there you know what the teammates thought of them and you know I I I still say you know the the dynamics of the of the triplets uh is is created and made successful by Troy you know Troy did not desire statistics you know all he wanted to do was win and that allows you to have the NFL's all-time leading rusher in the backfield with you uh, because you can't accomplish that goal and it can't accomplish that goal if Troy's going to be statistically driven, you know, to put up 40, you know, 4,000 yard seasons, you know, 4,500 yard seasons back at that time, all he wanted to do was win football games. So he was the key to making the dynamics of the triplets work. Uh, but all those huge personalities, you know, the, the best thing about all of them is all they wanted to do is win championships. And, and it, it was a, it was a mission. You know, when, when we came up short on a Sunday, They were some of the first guys back into the facility Monday morning to try and figure out what happened the previous day and make sure that didn't happen again.
0: So interesting. What a fascinating group that was actually. Yeah, to, to your point, the most touchdown passes that Troy Aikman ever threw in a season was 23. And it is a great to finish it on this thought. I think you will like this, that people who aren't old enough to remember those teams, who did not watch your Cowboys teams, people for whom football begins in their conscious lifetime right around the year 2000, they will look at Aikman's numbers And they will try and diminish what a great player he was because they're just looking at numbers. And I always tell them, and you can do it a trillion times better than I can, I always tell them, if you don't think Troy Aikman was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you didn't watch him play because he just was. The combination of the accuracy and the toughness that – I don't care what the numbers are. If you watched him play, he was that good. And I'm sure you hear it now, right, from young football fans who will look at those numbers and say, hey, he doesn't put up numbers like all these guys who came after him. And maybe that's kind of the point that you're making here right now, Darrell.
2: Absolutely. You're spot on, Mike. Um, You know, I had people come up to me when when he was up for the Hall of Fame nomination. And, you know, there was a lot of people that, that said he shouldn't have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I'm like, how can you say that? And they're like, well, look at the, the, the stats. The stats just aren't there. And at that time, I was like, listen, there's only one stat to me that's important for my quarterback, and that's winning championships. And he won three in four years. So, a- end of discussion. Uh, you know, completions, touchdowns, that, yeah, hey, if that comes along with the championships, fine. But it was just, for me, that was the, the defining thing. And his leadership, uh, just his work ethic, everything. I mean, he was the heart and soul of those teams. You know, we talked about some of the other personalities that were there Uh, everybody on the offensive side of the ball knew who the alpha male was. When, when Troy Eggman stepped into the huddle, it was his huddle. Even with all those big personalities, that were out there on the field with him. He, he was by far uh, our, our true leader, and, and everybody followed him.
0: And everybody who played against you guys, and I can tell you that I heard it every day for 18 years, if you ask Mike Olick who was the toughest quarterback you played against, he always said Aikman. It literally always talked about how you could hit him a 100 times, high, low, whatever it is, you think you've knocked him out of the game, he would just get up and keep on going. Moose, this is such a pleasure. It's always great to catch up. Thank you so much. Best with everything, and, and let's do it again soon. I really appreciate the time.
2: My pleasure. Look forward to it, Mike. Take care.
0: You too. That's Daryl Johnson with me here on ESPN Radio. I, I, I loved that conversation. I, that, that, that's like the last great dynasty. So I grew up with the Raiders of the 70s. If you ever want to read a great sports book, I mean a great sports book, read Ken Stabler's autobiography. It's called Snake. There are stories in that book that will boggle your mind. The Raiders of the 70s were nuts. I mean, just nuts. The stuff that was going on, it was a totally different world then. And, and the stories that he gladly tells, uh, with no shame whatsoever attached to them, are so unlike anything that could ever happen now, it'll make your head spin. But the point is, that sort of rogue element um, of everything, it always used to be sort of um, one of the charms of football. And it's all become so different now. I mean, it's all so, for lack of a better word, corporate and buttoned up. And of course, the great dynasty of the recent era is is the is the Patriots, whose dominant personality is Bill Belichick. As great a player as Brady was, the greatest of all time, the dominant personality there is Belichick. And nothing is more boring than that. And I say that with great respect. <laughs> He's the greatest coach of all time. But what on earth could be more boring than Bill Belichick? So when when... The, the, the Cowboys of the 90s almost feel like the last one, like the Steelers of the 70s and the 49ers of the 80s and the Cowboys, like all those teams had these huge personalities, even the ones that didn't always win. The Cowboys that were America's team and the Raiders of the 70s and all these others. And it's all kind of that part of it. has kind of gone away. I kind of miss it. To be honest with you, but one way or another, I I really enjoyed that conversation. I always appreciate the time with Moose. Let me get to the list here. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at progressive.com.
2: The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All
0: right, I love today's list. Yesterday we were talking about what it means to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys and whether that is the most prestigious position in sports. There are just some positions that carry a little different weight about them, if only because of the history that has been connected to them. So today my list, as voted on exclusively by me, the world's foremost authority on all matters, the top five most prestigious positions In sports, Number five. Five is running back at USC. And I know a lot of that remains more historical than it is current, but Reggie Bush is pretty recent. And if you look back at the lineage, Mike Garrett, OJ Simpson, Charles White, Marcus Allen, Reggie Bush, and there are others. The tailback at USC is just something different. It was, I mean, every one of those guys won the Heisman. (laughs) I know Reggie had to give his back which is ludicrous, but that's neither here nor there. Every one of those guys won the Heisman. You went to USC, you were the great running back, and you won the Heisman Trophy. It was basically the USC running back award, long before it was a quarterback award. That position is a little something different, and I think the number one in all of collegiate sports. Number four. Four is linebacker, middle linebacker to be specific, for the Chicago Bears, the monsters of the midway. And I lived in the middle of this and covered it and covered one of the great ones ever in Mike Singletary, But basically, the lineage, you have Bill George, you have Dick Butkus, you have Mike Singletary, you have Brian Urlacher. There's just something different about being the middle linebacker in the Bears. Again, this is a heritage franchise, a charter franchise, that has never had a great quarterback. With all due respect to Jim McMahon, who just got beat up and wasn't able to do it, they've gone 101 years without a legendary quarterback. The legends in Chicago were the middle linebackers. Butkus, Singletary, Urlacher. That's number four. Number three. Three on the list of legendary positions in sports is center fielder for the New York Yankees. That one is near and dear to my heart. Obviously, Joe DiMaggio began it. They had great players at that position before Earl Combs is is the forgotten member, right? Now looking at Hembo here, my, who knows everything about base. he know he knows baseball from 1927 better than anybody knows baseball in 2021. But when people talk about mur- the murderers row Yankees of the 20s, of course, you know, Ruth and you know, Gehrig and all that. The name Earl Combs is largely forgotten, but should not be.
2: No, no, that's when, that's probably the greatest lineup ever. And it remains so to this day. And
0: Combs, who I, I, was the leadoff hitter, right? Yeah. He played center and he was an all-time great. And you had Mickey Mantle, uh, DiMaggio, who was my father's hero. My father dedicated his first book to Joe DiMaggio. Any uh, athletic event I've ever competed in in my life, I always choose the number five in my dad's honor and in honor of, of Joe DiMaggio. Then Mickey Mantle, of course, one of the great legends of all time. Bobby Mercer, who came up and was supposed to be the next in that lineage. And then Bernie Williams. So center field, being the center fielder for the New York Yankees just means something different. The top five positions that just mean something different here on ESPN Radio. Number two. Two is being the center for the Los Angeles Lakers. And this actually traces back to a time when they were the Minneapolis Lakers. But the first genuinely great center, the first great big man in NBA history is George Mikan from the Minneapolis Lakers, and the lineage there is ridiculous. Mikan, Wilt, Jabbar, Shaq. It's ridiculous. Uh, the, the, the centers for the Lakers, it's, unfortunately, centers don't exist anymore as we have always known them for the most part. And, and this is a part of the game, and we're going to get more deeply into this a little later in the show, that I really miss. But the legendary center was like a quarterback in football like the most famous players in the NBA were the centers by far. In my childhood in the 70s, and so they got Michael, they got Wilt, they got Kareem, they got Shaq. The first names club. So being the center for the Lakers, while that whole thing just sort of feels a little diminished now, that belongs at number 2 on this list.
2: Number 1. But
0: I think being the quarterback of the Cowboys is one. I think right now, especially when you consider where we are, the popularity of football, the, the meaningful difference of the Cowboys. Let me just tell you, this maybe this isn't of particular interest to you, but I think you'll find it fascinating. I work in this industry, obviously. The difference between the ratings of a game the Cowboys play and a game anybody else plays is insane. It's unimaginable. Like people say, well, why do you talk about the Cowboys so much? Because people just freaking care. I can't explain to you exactly why. But it is a phenomenon that is absolutely unmistakable and irrefutable. And being the quarterback with that star on your helmet, going back to Staubach, and even before that to dandy Don Meredith, who became an iconic figure in the booth. And then, of course, Troy. And then Romo. And now here comes Dak. But look, if you look at the most famous broadcasters, the biggest broadcasters in pro football, going back over the course of time, look at the names I just mentioned. Troy Aikman, Don Meredith. Tony Romo. Staubach didn't do it because he was busy becoming a real estate billionaire. <laughs> he, otherwise, he would have been. I guarantee you, Staubach would have been a broadcaster. He just had far more money to make uh, by becoming a real estate billionaire, which I actually genuinely think he is. So, that I think is the number one position in sports right now at today's green list. Uh, The top five most significant positions based on their history and other things, USC running backs, Bears middle linebackers, Yankees center fielder, the Lakers center, and the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Next up, I insist we get back to the question of the day. Greeny Insists is brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. And, And the question of the day, again, was raised, if you were not with me off the top of the show, by two friends of mine, Stephen A. Smith and Jalen Rose, who are on opposite sides of a fascinating debate. One that I think is really important and particularly so in the NBA. Let me play little bits of those clips again. Stephen A. was talking about Dame Lillard on ESPN+. Plus. Portland, I'm sorry. I apologize. But I wish he was in another market. It's not about you. You're a great fan base. Great fan base. It's about us. That's Stephen A.'s general take. It went on from there, but you get the gist of it. Jalen Rose on Jalen and Jacoby totally disagrees.
1: I'm sick of this era of people only trying to dumb down
0: the accomplishments of these great players. It's a re that that, That's Jalen's take, and he's talking as much about that and markets and everything else. And I told you that while these two guys are on opposite sides of one argument, I kind of agree with both of them. I see it both ways. And so now I'm opening it up to you. That's my question of the day. And the phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Which side of that are you on? Do you believe the NBA is better served if these stars, and you know who they are, Dame Lillard, and even more so, John Morant, Zion Williamson, the Greek freak, is the league better served if those guys wind up in the biggest markets? That's my question at 888 Say ESPN, and we're taking your calls with the answers right after this word from Granger. For all the ones who get it done, Granger's always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24 7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1 800 Granger, click granger.com,
1: or just stop on by. Your calls next on ESPN Radio. your first month. That's better H-E-L-P. dot com slash Greeny. G-R-E-E-N-Y. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
2: Greeny, the podcast.
0: All right, I'm Greeny reminding you that this show is a podcast. If you ever miss anything we do and we have great fun here every day for two hours, they take those hours. They take them and make them into each One hour individual podcast is called Hashtag Greeny, and you can find it and listen to it anywhere you find your podcasts. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. The question of the day is inspired by Stephen A. Smith and Jalen Rose, who are on opposite sides of the divide. Stephen A. says the league, the NBA, desperately needs its biggest stars to be in its biggest markets at a time when there's so much consternation about the attention the league is and isn't getting. Jalen Rose is completely on the other side, saying we are dumbing things down and looking at completely wrong. We'll come into the phones in a minute, but first I'm coming to Hashtag Nuno, who is A, the biggest NBA fan that I talk to on a regular basis, and B, the biggest Nick fan I talk to on a daily basis. So I I suspect or I fear that's going to cloud your thinking, but Nuno, which side of this divide are you on?
1: It's not going to cloud my uh, thinking. I think Jalen is slightly off because he talks about judging these guys based upon rings. Isn't that like... The motive, so is he telling us, hey, it's not the motive? And when you look around, Dame isn't going to win. Bradley Beal isn't going to win. So what's the best thing for the league is putting these guys in these markets like New York, Chicago, you know, L.A., like to bring eyeballs to your sport.
0: Well, that, that's hmm. the side of it that Stephen A is on. The other side of it is, is the league not better off if places like Portland, New Orleans, Memphis, et cetera, have the same ability to win that places like New York, Chicago, and L.A. do? Not that in New York they've taken any semblance of advantage of that, of their built-in advantage over the last quarter century, I guess, and on another level over the last half century. All right, that's what Nuno thinks. Let's come to the phones. 888-SAY-ESPN is my phone number. Bubba, who's first up here? First we have Jeff. All right, Jeff, answer the question of the day. Do you think the league is better off if those players go to big cities?
1: Uh, not really, Greeny. I mean, I think they need to be more balanced because, I mean, it's an unfair advantage. I mean, right now the Utah Jazz have the best record in the league. I mean, what, what's going to happen then? Are you going to make the draft lottery, uh, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Nets, the Heat? the Lakers, the Clippers, and all the big market teams, and also the fans of those smaller cities, they love their team. It would not be a fair uh, assessment. And the NBA,
0: I think that's right and I got the whole gist of it it's the clock I'm trying to see there Brandon Uh, I'm trying to get the gist of I got the gist of what you're saying what you're trying to say is these small market teams in the NBA should not be turned into the Washington Generals that's not the objective here we don't want teams out there that have no real ability to compete just so the Lakers, the Knicks, the Bulls and I don't know who pick one other team a year have have someone to play against that's not the best scenario that is generally the way I've always looked at it and at this moment that's the way I continue to look at it but I can be talked out of it. Bubba, who's next? Next up we have Demetrius. Demetrius, how do you see this thing?
1: I see it as Jalen being correct.
2: You know, like, Dame is doing great in the small market, like you said. I see Giannis doing great. You know, New York is okay and the NBA's been fine without New York doing good for decades now, so, you know, Brooklyn is there, but you know, outside of that, small market teams we needed an nba you needed to be expanded
0: here's the question are they doing just fine like there are people who are questioning right now if they're doing just fine and these things tend to go in ebbs and flows and if you're in a little bit of an ebb then so be it that's fine you start looking for solutions you don't want to jerry rig the system but is one of the ways that things could get a whole lot more exciting look I'll just say it. And I don't I don't mean to be, you know, prejudiced within the boroughs of of my own hometown. But if Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and James Harden were playing on the Knicks right now instead of the Nets, do you think the level of attention would be different? You better believe it would be different. It would be unimaginably different, immeasurably different. That's just the way the situation goes. So the league has managed with the Knicks being a laughing stock for 50 years or, at this point, a laughing stock for 20 years, but wouldn't they be a lot better off if they weren't? Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next? We got Jeff. Jeff, you're on ESPN Radio. What's your take?
2: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, the National Basketball Association figured out something that the NFL figured out before them, and they are a television show first and a sports league second. And if you want that television product to work, you need your elite players in certain markets. And that's just the way it is. When these guys are playing in smaller markets, the ratings start to suffer. That's not a coincidence. Uh, You've got to have that television product in line or else, you know, you're not going to be as strong as you could be.
0: Well, that's, that's a good call, and that's, that's probably right. It's interesting to see where baseball falls in this, because hashtag Hembo, you stirred up a lot of anger <laughs> on Twitter recently when you said baseball would be better served if Fernando Tatis Jr. was not in San Diego. So knowing that that's the way you feel about your favorite
2: sport, what do you think of this? I think comparing the NBA – or Major League Baseball to the NFL as apples to oranges. The NFL now is different. The NFL is exclusive. It's a singular entity. So I think doing so in that way, like you made the comparison earlier, like the Peyton Manning thing, the Brett Favre thing, those guys played in small markets, right? but the NFL is just different. Understood.
0: So is the NBA closer to baseball or closer to, or to football? The NBA
2: right now is closer to baseball, I have to say. And
0: closer to your, to your thought on it. So then yes. that it would be logically consistent to assume you believe that it is inherently bad for the sport that Damian Lillard plays in Portland and instead of in Chicago. I
2: think Stephen A. is right. I don't think it's inherently bad that the Trailblazers, for example, are good. But I think it would be much better for the sport in general, at large, if he were playing in a large market like, like on the East Coast for the Knicks. All
0: right. I mean, it, it, I hate saying it. Like, here's the problem. Thank you all for the calls. And I, I got a million other things I want to do today. We can set aside some more time for this as we go. It's not a topic that's going away. There's a part of me that hates saying it. You know, because I've spent my entire life, my career and my life in, the well, two of the three biggest media markets in the country. I grew up in New York. I grew up again in Chicago. And, and so those are the two sort of my home places. And, and those places, you know, I feel there's a part of me that feels very elitist saying, <laughs> hey, Portland and Memphis, give us your best players. Because we, we, all of us are better off if John Morant right now is playing on the Knicks. But it also might be true. Just because it sounds awful and feels wrong to say, it also might be true. Uh, Linda Cohn coming up at our next hour, and I will explain how analytics are killing us next. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also,
2: don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.